first time by the whole crew. Welcome, Steph and Andrew. It's all three of us here to uh, to talk about what should be a Leafs win, but is not a Leafs win. How's it going, guys? Very good. Yeah, it could be better, right? <laughs> could be a little better, but uh, it was a good game, I have to say. Lots of shots on net and some good performances on the ice. But yeah, we have lots to talk about here. Lots to talk about today. Hey, but on the plus side, uh, Michael Hutchinson was on the bench as the backup. So no uh, no drama there. And to that whole saga, thanks so much, uh, Bishop, for filling in. But uh, the relief has come, kind of. So um, I guess we'll just jump into it first, uh, first period. Um, <laughs> like we said, lots of shots. Leafs held the zone really well. They looked like they were on the power play for the whole 20 minutes. And... That, I wish I could say more, but nothing nothing really came of it. Yeah, I wish something came of that too. And it was quite disappointing every time they were just passing the puck around, like we mentioned before, with Marner around and around you go and you just want something to happen. But the New York Rangers held up their own in the first period with 10 shots on net. Leafs had 12, so it wasn't as bad as the second and third for them, but it started to go a little downhill. Yeah, it was like it, the shots didn't match up to what I was watching, it seemed. Like every time I looked at the shots, I'm like, how, do they, how are they tied right now? It seems like the Leafs have, oh, there it is, nine minutes versus four minutes in the offensive zone. That's what I was thinking. So not really sure uh, how the Rangers just managed to kind of collapse offensively in the second and third period, but it, uh, it seemed to not affect the outcome of the game in the end. As it usually happens with the Leafs out shooting teams like that. Yeah, it's like we were saying in our in our chat. When they're out shooting, it seems it's because they can't score and they're firing just everything at the net. And uh, you know, if they have twelve to fifteen shots, they've probably already scored a couple of goals and they're sitting back relaxed. But tonight was unfortunately a a 40, 40 shot night <laughs> for the blue and white. Yeah, especially in the second period where the Rangers only had two shots on net versus the Leafs with 17 shots. And you had high hopes there. And then a couple more penalties and a big blocks from camp in the end. And you thought something was going in and you get to OT and it was just a big goalie showdown. So I was definitely on the edge of my seat at the end. Overtime was insane. That was one of the best overtimes I've seen in a long time. Uh, Wish... The Leafs had put that in. But man, Shesterkin, like every goalie that plays the Leafs this year, is having like a career night. It doesn't matter who it is. I mean, at least it's Shesterkin and not some random backup. But uh, holy, that uh, wide open net at the end there. <laughs> like he, he made a save at the in the middle of the, uh, the circles there. Like I've never seen that. How pissed did Matthews look after that, right? He's just sitting on the bench with his head down. Like, oh, I can't imagine. There were a lot of blocks, um, by the way, on the Leafs end. Like, everybody was diving around a block. Hull had a good block. Dermott had one. Riley dove at one. Like you said, Camp blocked the one. It was like they were – the reason the shots were so low, I guess, because not that many made it to the net. But when they did, Gamble was on fire. Yeah, especially after only taking two shots in the second period. He was huge in the third and in overtime until they you know, let that one in. 
Yeah, Igor is definitely proving his worth tonight. We can definitely see why he is a fantasy favorite in the uh, Yahoo world because he was dialed in, calm, tracking pucks. It's only his third year in the NHL, and he won that 1A position after Lundqvist went out with the heart surgery there. So he did great, just like the other game with Forsberg. We talked so much about that during episode two, but you're right, Johnny. It seems like these goalies put on a show when it comes to the Leafs. You really nailed a bit of Igor, though. He is so good. He's huge in net. He's always centered up, always going to the far point in the crease, too. It doesn't really give you too much to shoot at. I want this guy tested for CBD because I've never seen anyone so chill for 60 minutes. <laughs> like, the, he, he doesn't, there's no sweat. He moves like a robot. It's wild. This guy is just ice. Always in position. Uh, man, you'd think that. Um, any team that's in a position where they've lost Henrik Lundqvist, they're going to be in a scramble for goalies. And they just had Shesterkin and Gorgiev fall into their laps. Like, well, I guess we've got a tandem. Yeah. <laughs> yeah and, uh, having, like... Go ahead. I was just going to say, it doesn't hurt having the Norris Trophy winner playing right in front of you too, right? So you have that security safety net of Fox in front of you, then Truba right after him. So yeah, it, it's... It's fun to watch at the end of the day. Yeah. Adam Fox is unbelievable. And it really almost makes you look at Morgan Riley differently because he brings a lot of the offensive awareness and hockey IQ that Riley brings, which is surprising because he's so young, but he's able to convert a little more. It seems, I mean, especially because of how young he is. Like I know at that time, Riley was the, the headline of every you know, your your uncle who wanted to trade Willie at that time wanted to trade Riley. So, you know, <laughs> I'm happy for the Rangers for stumbling into Fox. That's a it's a great pick. Um, I guess we should move on. The other huge thing on Twitter tonight about this game was the officiating, um, especially after. I mean, it's been a topic of every night. There was the uh, the Taveras little uh, slash call at the end of the Ottawa game there, but. It seemed like though the press, like we said, the precedent is set. We're going to call this. Oh no, we're not because it's just going to be game management from here on out. Yeah, that's got to be so frustrating for players going forward too, because they don't know how to play. Right? Every night's just officiated different. Every period's officiated differently. Yeah, because last I checked, if you get interfered with and uh, hooked on a breakaway, it's a penalty shot. But I guess um, not even a penalty in this case on Willie, who got tied up. Yeah, that was not a fair play there. I was just watching that, just jaw dropped, yelling at the TV. What is going on? You would think all day that'd be a penalty shot, and Willie definitely would have got that one in the net. But lo and behold again, what is this game management? What's going on with the referees? So unfortunately, he couldn't sink that one in. We had to go to OT and lose the game, but... Hey, I'm glad we got a point. Leafs have points in the last nine of 11 games against the New York Rangers. So it is a good, good sign there. But uh, good on Gerard Gula, hired in June 2021, coming from a successful Vegas team as well. You can tell the Rangers are playing differently this year. Yeah, for sure. They uh, they came out like... It's almost, it's tough when you have a new coach and everything to find your identity as a team. And I think the Rangers have been one that have had a lot of turnaround in the last couple of years with their players. Like Chris Kreider is the longest standing player on the team right now. So uh, I think they've been definitely looking for who they are. And it seems like 
they've kind of found the balance between they they play a lot like Ottawa. They're very opportunistic and fast. They they aren't afraid to let the other team be in their offensive zone for the majority of the time and pick up on every mistake that they make. And I think if they can hone that in, the Rangers are going to be a really dangerous team in the Metro Division. Well, when you have a blue line like they do, and especially the tender like they do, you can afford to give up chances like that and play a little bit more on your end. Yeah, and it shows the confidence they have if they can give up 40 shots and they all seemed like it wasn't phasing them. Like Mika was ready to jump with Panarin at every loose puck that came up. Yeah, the Rangers definitely made some good moves this offseason with the big signings of Ryan Reeves. You have Sammy Blay and all these other players that just come together and make it the team completely different especially with the signing of the old Vegas coach they needed that especially after the huge brawl last year with the Washington Capitals if you guys remember that with oh, yeah. Panarin landing on his head Tom Wilson going crazy Whew. something had to change because the Rangers were a little too soft and if you ask me about tonight's game I thought Simmer was going to be fighting with someone the way he was talking on the bench uh, across there I don't know who he was talking at. I think it was Ryan Reeves, but I thought yeah. a brawl was going to happen. Yeah, yeah I was definitely gelling at Ryan Reeves uh, the whole time on the bench. There was somebody I noticed um, had their, you know, their arm up around Simmons, like around his neck when they were after a whistle there, like mm-hmm. you know, talk, giving him a little talk there. And I was like, are you really going to try and a either tell Simmons to calm down or be like intimidate him? Like what this I honestly, <laughs> I'm on the same page. I thought this was going to end in some sort of, um altercation but really it was like after the whistles there was no like you know shoving around it seemed like a lot of the anger was more towards the refs than the rangers yeah i have to agree there like especially with a 1-1 tied game going into ot you think someone would cause some sort of abruption but no it was really calm it, the the focus was just on getting shots to the net get that goal in but they then we saw the goalie showdown in OT and the best I don't know if the best goalie won a little bit of a miss miss up in the play but I got to give it to JT tonight on that dot across the board 75.9 percent uh the team were on the dot oh it was great I love seeing those face-off wins and that helps uh the whole night yeah, Matthews won his first five face-offs too. I mean, obviously his wrist is okay. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, the it's good for your fantasy team. The whole, the whole season so far, I think every game they've been leading by quite a bit in the percentage. Yeah, and I, yeah. I think we would have seen if the more I think about it, I think we would have seen a fight if either team had thought that they weren't playing their game. But I think the Leafs thought that they were in the position where we're playing our game and the Rangers thought the same thing. So I don't think either felt like a fight was going to turn things because they both felt like they were in a good position. I guess, I think it's fair to say, especially tied at one, one. Yeah. And I guess they didn't want to give up another penalty. We had a few stupid penalties with the too many men on the ice and then Dermot tripping up the player that made Jack Campbell go flying across the ice. I thought he was injured. It got me scared. Oh my God. PTSD once again, because we saw what happened with Morazic. Then we have Campbell just flailing across the ice. Oh my God. But I'm glad he's Everything is good, and now we can see the team as a whole with Matthews in the lineup, which was very nice to see. And just quick on Dermot and the fact that we had a whole lineup uh, with Justin Holback as well on defense and Lilligren out. 
I know we were, Andrew and I were praising um, how Lilligren could bring some offense to the, to the Muzzin line, but I thought Justin Hole actually played really well defensively tonight and kind of probably spent his day off reading all the headlines about him potentially losing his spot and uh, upped his game a little bit. Cause I, I mean, I really liked his play tonight. Yeah. He had a really strong game again with four blocks tonight, four blocks in his other game as well. Um, the guy is extremely reliable in the back end. And like we were talking about, he can on, uh, offer some offense, but his defense is obviously nowhere near where Hollis is right now. So maybe it's a matter of switching them out. Like instead of having a seventh defenseman that's coming in on your third D pair, it's a matter of switching out Muzzin's partner to like based on your opponent. I think that's a great idea, especially giving these kids some game time, not making them wait too long in between the next time that they get a chance to play. Just keep them in game ready shape and give them the opportunity to perform. Use your entire roster. And I think the at least we'll have a better chance this year at going even idea. farther yeah that's a good idea as soon as an injury comes along too that seventh defenseman whoever it is hall or lily they're going to be ready to play and step in yeah and i think even even rotating sandine dermot and hall out through that spot with uh with muzzin like just give them all i mean maybe not dermot he's already had his chance but rotating sandine and lilligren out on on that spot with muzzin just to give them second defensive line minutes because like you said they they're not third pair defensemen. They need to see the minutes and need to get that experience. And playing with Muzzin, you know, there's that defensive security there. So you can kind of risk it a little bit with having one of the younger guys with him. Yeah, I totally agree with that. I think everyone should be playing their minutes. They should be pushing and fighting every night to earn that spot on the playing roster. And it's a constant competition. So, hey, why not continue that past training camp, past preseason, and make them earn their spots uh, on the final roster role and switch them out. Whoever whoever deserves it will get a chance to play, but that's just my opinion. <laughs> so uh, we're going to uh, kind of segue with one of our new segments into what I wanted to talk about next, which was the power play. Um, we have an Ed's text. This is a uh, text from my dad during the game. Uh, this was after one of the Leafs power plays where the top four were on for the entire two minutes. Uh, the commentators talked about this. They said Sheldon Keefe is definitely not going to be happy that these guys didn't come off the ice for the entire power play and also produce nothing. Um, so here's Ed's text. So the millionaires were on for the whole power play and nothing. What's going on with the power play? Is it like, are we too predictable? Is it, that like I've been seeing, you know, there's no dangerous shot from Riley. The whole play is just feed it around and try and get it to Matthews at the top of the circle. I love, you know, Ovechkin 2007. Like we've seen this before. Like, is that the problem? <laughs> yeah. I, when I'm watching that power play, all I'm thinking it's ping pong between Matthews and whoever has the puck because they seem like they're relying on Matthews a little too much and then when the second and third power plays came in they were like oh we have other options let's not be too predictable but we even discussed it earlier tonight via text that Marner was given that opportunity in the slot and then he wasn't even there so I think this is just a starting point for the Leafs they finally had a game with Matthews in we can only hope it's going to get better and that he can sink that first couple and get comfortable on the ice but Time will only tell. 
I agree. It seemed like the same old, same old. You'll see Matthew circling the top of the circle, and all they're doing is really looking for him. And I'm not sure if that's because it's his first game and they're trying to get him back into it, but I feel every other team just scouts that, and they know exactly what's coming. Yeah, and I mean, we look at the power play numbers from the beginning of last season, but I think you can also just look at Matthew's numbers at the beginning of last season. I mean, he came out of the gates on fire. He really never slowed down. So I don't think as much credit should be given to the power play last season and more should just be given to the fact that Matthews kept scoring regardless of whether it was four on five or five on five. So I think there's, there's clearly an issue structure wise and strategy wise and how they're playing on the power play. And, you know, you, you can't just score your way out of that clearly. Yeah, there's high expectations for Matthews. Like two years ago, he was on a 55-goal pace. Last year, he was on a 65-goal pace, and he scored 22% of the team's goals. So twice on the cover in, in the three years of NHL video games, he everything is there. He, everyone has this big expectation now that his bum wrist is fixed. We're expecting a lot out of the guy, but we cannot forget about the other superstars and uh, don't go worrying on Matthews too much and relying on him. I mean, there was a stat during the game. They've got eight goals on, well, I mean, it's now more than this because this was going into the third. 260 shot attempts. They've scored eight goals. These are like the best, quote, best scorers in the league. Like what, why can't they score? I mean, it's, it's sure, they played Igor Shesterkin. He's a pretty good goalie. They played... Anton Forsberg the other night and it was the same story like it, it's clearly not the goalies it's like they're are they shooting it right at them like these they, nobody's scared of these leaps and it shows no one's scared when these guys come flying down the ice except Michael Bunting apparently <laughs> and they have every right to be go ahead uh, tonight it did look like Matthews was kind of shooting it right into the chest of him but that could just be attributed to he hasn't played the preseason um, he hasn't really had any rest yet this year, so his shot might be a tiny bit off. And that's for Warner. Yeah, he is ping-ponging, but it also looks like he has no confidence out there whatsoever with the puck. No, he's got to get something to uh, to kick him back into gear because it's almost painful watching him, especially when you know how much he's been getting hammered by the media. It's hard seeing it keep happening, and you know that every time he goes back to the bench, he's like, fuck. I, I got to see his face. Yeah, every time they show him or Matthews, they're just like, oh my God, I hate this. It's, it's yeah. tough. It's unfortunate because we know that he is a superstar. We know his potential and his ceiling can only get higher. Look at the team roster. It's dangerous on paper and we know the things that he can do. But I'm hoping within the next couple games, he scores a couple goals and shakes whatever rut he's in off and he can start performing uh, what we expect out of him, even not as high, but you have Matthews beside you, Richie beside you. It's only good from here, you would hope, anyways, from a from a Leafs fan. <laughs> I mean, you'd have to hope, right? And that coincides with JT, too. Although JT looked really good tonight, I thought. He was driving some plays, zipping around the net. He looked a little quicker and a little more assertive than he has earlier so far in the season. Yeah, and... I think the benefit of having Matthews back, it, I mean, it reset all the centers on the team, right? Like it put everybody back on the lines they're supposed to be on. And I think the, uh, the confidence that 
the first line has with him back obviously changes, but the, the confidence that um, the second line gets from having Tavares back where he feels comfortable and Willie on his side. And um, I, I think everybody down the line played well. I think the question of Leafs depth is no longer really a problem. I mean, Michael Bunting's at 950 grand for the next two years. Can't complain about that. Um, it's like everybody down the lineup seems to be playing well. It's just the production that you are paying for from the top. That's not there. Yeah, no, that I mean, was such. Go ahead. Go ahead. <laughs> oh, having Max is playing again, just like you said, right down the line. It's a, uh, it builds momentum when you see players playing like that. It allows JT to come on off the boards after him and just carry on what he was doing. It also takes a little bit of the defensive pressure off him too, not facing the first line matchups. Yeah, I have to agree with that because even with uh, Matthews back, we had I saw a jump in everyone's step, especially Willie Nylander tonight. I found that he had an extra pizzazz to him, and he was going after those pucks more. Then you had Bunting, who I talked lowly of him our first two episodes, but now he's finally. I guess we're just letting him just roast a little and now he's going to perform and it's expected because overall 54 shots in the NHL, 13 goals. Come on. Like this kid is a future superstar in my opinion. Like I said, 950 grand guys for the next two years, we got them like this. It's a beautiful thing in Leafs nation. Uh, so we'll take a quick break here. And when we come back, we're going to talk about uh, some goaltending and how we see Jack Campbell playing for the rest of the season. Welcome back to Leafs Late Night. We're talking goaltending. So Jack Campbell had a great performance tonight and uh, really can't complain about his performances any night so far. So with Morazic expected to miss two weeks and uh, this being his nth injury in his career, how, is it plausible that we see Jack Campbell play maybe a little more than a tandem number, like closer to maybe two thirds of the season than half of it? I think that he does not need a tandem, if you really want my personal opinion. I think Jack Campbell is an elite goaltender, with, and he has not been given the opportunity. He's a first-round pick. He's an 11th pick in the first round, drafted by Dallas. He's matured into an elite goalie status. He's only played 89 career games, so I can kind of see why Dubis and Keefe wanted to put that tandem in, in that place, but Personally, I love Jack Campbell. I love everything he does. I love his posts on Instagram. I love everything. It's just the guy doesn't screw up. <laughs> but other people may have a different opinion. Oh, I couldn't agree more. I think everything in his career has been leading right up to this. Like you said, he was drafted 11th overall, sent back down to the minors, built himself up right back, and he is just full of confidence right now. I think he's ready to run with this. Yeah, I always felt like Morasic was more of a safety net. Like, we're hoping he can do it, but if he can't, we still have somebody that we're confident in. We're not going to, you know, Michael Hutchinson or somebody if Campbell can't play on a certain night. Like, just having that 
I mean, it, it even helps the team to just know that if anything happens to him, you're not screwed. Um, I've always kind of felt that way about, I mean, especially because they, they brought him Mrazek in for three years just to, to kind of lock in something back there that they can depend on. But uh, I got to agree with you guys. I'm loving what I'm seeing from Jack Campbell and especially um, with the money they have him at this year, you can't, you can't really complain about it. Problem is that he's up at the end of this year. So, I mean, if he has a superstar year and plays, you know, 58, 65 games or something, he's going to play himself out of a contract for the Leafs, unless he really wants to stay. In which case, you know, maybe with Morgan Riley leaving and a couple other people at the end of the season, they can work in keeping Jack Campbell, but that's, that's going to be out there. Yeah, that's a scary thought for me, honestly. I think Jack is perfect for Toronto. He's everything we need. He's full of energy, his passion for the sport, and just he holds so much responsibility and he takes ownership of everything that he does. And you can even see it in the Leafs documentary series, how hard he took that loss. I think Jack Campbell is here to stay. I hope he stays. This is his time to shine he's at that prime age Mrazik was a little bit of a security blanket I like the deal but I really do hope it's going to be Jack number one from now on yeah I see Jack being number one for a long time like I said everything in his career has kind of been leading right up to here um I don't really see him as a huge ticket type of guy I think he's going to want some term just to be locked up but yeah, he's going to be here for a while. And with Mrazek in the background, he's kind of like what Halak was for Boston. Just a nice safety net. He can play you know, one-third of the games. If Jack goes down, he's a nice person to have there, reliable. And the guys trust them. Yeah, and I mean, this would be the first time in a long time that the Leafs have a, a goaltender that they are all confident in. I mean, yeah, Freddie was, was there in the first couple of years, but... Uh, there was not a lot of confidence in him, especially after they uh, kept dropping the playoff rounds. And I mean, it's not like Campbell's brought them past one yet, but I think he's got less of a track record to, <laughs> to blame for. <laughs> so that is going to wrap up our recap of the game and our, uh, our little Leafs chat. We're going to move on to uh, what's happening around the league tonight. What's the score? So um, obviously Rangers took the OT winner against the Leafs, um, Artemi Panarin scoring the one to seal the deal. Uh, also had Mika Zibanejad with the first one and Michael Bunting. So a couple points there. Um, Flyers down the Kraken, 6-1. to 6-1. Uh, so the Kraken won 2-1 and one to start their season. Uh, Flyers with their first win. Six different people on the Flyers scoring. I wish I could say it was a a super great fantasy night. I mean, Derek Broussard came out with three points. Um, my boy, Farabee got two. Um, Steph, you picked up Konechny, who's got two points. I mean, on a six-point night for a team, you expect a little more fantasy-wise, but hey. Um, otherwise, Ducks and Flames are tied at 1-1, and the Blues and Coyotes are tied at 1-1. By the time you listen to this, these games are over, but that gives you an idea of when we record this. <laughs> Speaking of coyotes, what do you guys think of their jerseys tonight? Oh, what are they wearing tonight? Oh, did you see the old purple retros? Oh, they're rocking those. Those looked really cool. I saw uh, before when they announced them. Huge fan of them. 
Yeah, I'm a huge fan of the retros too. It's always nice to see something different on the ice. But when I'm thinking of different jerseys, I always think of the Leafs with their St. Patty's gear and how they always lose in the St. Patty's gear. So uh, I'm hoping that's not just a curse of that, but uh, loving the retros, retros for sure. And I hope to see the Leafs in it soon. What is up with that, with the St. Pat's jerseys? Like every time they put those on, they lose. I, I hate when they wear them. It's brutal. I get so excited because they look so good, but then I always remember, oh, wait, we're going to lose this game. Do you like them? I'm no, I've never been a fan of the St. Pat's jerseys. I don't know. Too, yeah, like too bright. Uh, I think it's just the green rubs me the wrong way. I learned today, I was looking up some some junior players. Did you know that the Toronto Junior Canadians is a team like their junior team and they have the Montreal Canadiens logo like how can you play for Toronto with a Montreal Canadiens logo it's so not fair Ugh. ooh sounds that's not right whatsoever not right. <laughs> that sounds so wrong uh so those are the scores around the league we only got a couple of games tonight um so now that we have all three of us we can talk about our fantasy draft because the three of us are in a fantasy league together so uh, we've been meaning to do this since the beginning, but this is the first time that we've all been here to do it. So, um, Andrew, I'll ask you the first one. With your draft, do you have a do you have a strategy going into it, or did you just uh, do you just wing it? I'm going to be honest. I was pretty late to the game on this, and I just winged it. Didn't have too much strategy going in. Um, yeah, not too much at all, to be honest with you. Hey, there's nothing wrong with that. Whoever's taken, you know what's available you never with our league there's not a ton of pros so some people just kind of turn up and picks that you don't expect to and you just steal them what about you Steph did you uh did you have any kind of strategy going into this well I have to say first Andrew it must have been nice getting that number one pick there wasn't it uh brand new to our fantasy league and you got the first pick so that was a big plus sign for you (laughs) I almost felt really bad about that I've held, I've hosted this league for my third year now, and I swear my highest pick was about seventh or sixth or something. But this year I ended up with a ninth pick, and it's hard to have a strategy going in because you want to see where players fit on on the app. And I just told myself, build your roster around your first pick, and then take that opportunity if the next player comes up to stack. So for me, I want to have an elite forward. I want to have an elite defenseman. Uh, I got kind of screwed with goalies because I was waiting and waiting a little too long, but I think it worked out for the better if the Bruins Bruins pay off, of course. (laughs) But uh, yeah, I took Pasternak with my first overall pick and that definitely hurt. It hit me right in the heart. I had to remind myself got to play with your brain not your heart so i was able to do the pasternak bergeron stack but uh just went with the flow from there i love that this is a leafs podcast we are all leaf fans and we're so scarred that if you were to pick your (laughs) ideal team you pick boston bruins because you know that they're just gonna they're gonna do it i don't have to worry about them they're not cursed yeah (laughs) so sad Oh, we'll have to see about that. But I have this gut feeling just because I picked these Bruins players, they're going to fail me. But it's too early. I can't talk talk like a negative Nancy. So we'll see how it pans out. Uh, so was you drafting Boston players just a true leaf strategy? 
Yeah. Honestly, I don't know what happened there. I kind of panicked with some of my picks, especially taking Tarasenko in the middle. I was like, and running out of time, especially when you star so many players and they just keep getting taken and taken. So, yeah, just trying to even it out, especially with the defensemen, because you know there's less defensemen than forwards. So I also kind of prioritize picking a great defenseman too. Yeah, I definitely went a little higher on picking defensemen this year than last year. My strategy was more like, I mean, I had the sixth pick, so I grabbed Matthews, which was, it was a tough pick because the first five, like if you look at the average draft positions, the first five were pretty much a lock. And then it's like six to 10 were pretty up in the air. But uh, I figured, you know, if I'm going to be watching Leaf games, I like to have that little extra invested in it. So I'll take Matthews with my first one. Um, that's why i drafted sandine with my last pick exactly right so i uh, i tried to go like forward defense then goalie with um my first three picks i think i did that but i tried to kind of round out all the positions instead of forgetting about defensemen or goalies till farther down like i have in the past um yeah um i just kind of realized partway through that i i um was lacking a little bit in a couple spots. So I started to fill out stats as I went through, but I think the first like five or six, I was pretty like, I'm going to go forward defense goalie and then forward defense forward goalie. I think that was kind of how I went, but um, next question, Andrew, you mentioned there were a couple of people that were swiped from you. Who was, who was the biggest name that you had that was like queued up next and they got stolen from you? If you can remember any, I know it's been a about a week since we drafted at this point. I feel like there's been so much movement in our league and everything. I honestly can't even remember. It's been so crazy. Well, I know I wanted to try to grab Lafreniere again because I stole him like 140th or something like that last year, but he didn't really do anything. Um, and I was going to try and double down on that gamble this year, but somebody picked him pretty high, like in the 60s or 70s in our league. So that was mine. What about you, Steph? Yeah, I didn't have much luck with goalies. Uh, I ended up drafting Binnington, Swayman, and I knew that Swayman was going to be the first overall starter. They were kind of splitting like a tandem with Allmark. So I was really hoping to snag Hellebuck in the third round, maybe even the late fourth, but he went pretty quickly. So I was upset with that because later on in the draft, I was – just searching for goalies like who can I pick who can I pick and I took the big risk of drafting Bennington after knowing that you had a brutal year with him last year Johnny I was gonna say (laughs) I wouldn't recommend him it's just like I drafted him so high too I mean he was coming off of a Stanley Cup right like or the year before so was one that I really wanted actually now that I remember he was drafted I think two or three spots right before I was gonna take him Ended up um, with Sorokin, Hart, and Bobrovsky, though. I only went with two goalies this year because I drafted them pretty high. I didn't think I needed a third. I grabbed uh, Campbell and Grubauer. Uh, Grubauer has not been awesome. Colorado's not off to a great start, but, I mean, they've got a lot of guys out. I mean, Landis Cog was suspended for a little bit there. I think McKinnon's out on COVID protocol. And... Whoa, whoa, whoa. Grubauer plays for Seattle now. Am I? 
Oh, he guys, got taken in the draft. You're he right. plays for Seattle now, and Drieger is his backup. That's because I wasn't looking at my team. I have Darcy Kemper. I just said the wrong name. <laughs> no worries. Thanks. <laughs> Had to Thanks. stop you there. <laughs> Thanks. Appreciate it. So I have Darcy Kemper. Uh, Colorado, still, my point stands, is off to a really not so good start. Um, yeah. Anyway, he let in four goals the other night and got pulled. To be fair, every year I've played, I've only had two goalies uh, in my strategy, if you want to call it that, because I've always had Vasilevsky. I made it a priority to get him. And one year I had Grubauer back him up when he played for uh, Colorado. So I knew if I had two starting goaltenders who was going to get between 50 to 60 starts, I wouldn't go with that third goalie. But this year, I knew I had a tandem goalie. I wasn't sure what was going on with Bennington, if he was going to be bad or not. Then I ended up picking Elvis off the waiver wire, and it's been working out really well. So I'm going to keep those three goalies, see how that pays off in the end, because I feel confident in my forward and defensive stats. But you never know. Anything can happen in hockey. (laughs) I feel like taking three goalies is a safer pick, though, because not too many goalies playing 50 to 60 games. And with injury, you're really only stuck with one. Yeah, my goal, I was I was going to go for Campbell and Morazic because I think grabbing a tandem is, we only need three appearances a week. So, I mean, between the two of them, you're going to get those. And doubling down on one team is almost the same as kind of splitting it between a couple teams with not so great goalies. I think... Uh, it's more doubling down on how the Leafs are going to play than how the goalies mm-hmm. are going to play. Uh, I mean, yeah. on that note, I have Jake Muzzin and I'm really not loving it so far. He's not been playing well um, statistically since the beginning of the season. He's a uh, minus yeah, three the- and uh, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> The also other good thing about goalies, the more starts you have, the more shots they'll face. So your save percentage will go up and goals against will go down. So it's better in the end. You guys are right about having the three goalies. I did a risky move in my week one of uh, ads this week or last week. Sorry, I picked up Bishop and put him on the IR. Let's just see how that pans out. If I need to move him, I'll move him. Who cares? But you know, you're not making many moves in the first week because you want to see how your roster pans out. So I took the risk and took Bishop, even though he's not moving or let's see how many players I'll have on IR in the end. But yeah, that's, a, that's actually a good point. We should do like an IR uh, pick. So I have two injured players right now in uh, Blake Wheeler, who's out on COVID protocol and Max Pacioretty, who's out for a couple of weeks, uh, lower body injury, I think. Uh, so I jumped in and grabbed um, Jakob Silverberg um, off of Anaheim, who had a goal in their second game and two assists in their first. So uh, he's playing tonight against Calgary. I'm hoping for a couple points there. And the other one I grabbed was, I think, Bowen Byram, who I'm hoping for something from. So we'll see. I grabbed Erickson Ack in the first week and didn't get much out of him. So Colton Pareko was the one that I drafted initially that I've then dropped, has been my rotating one out because, I don't know, Seattle's not been great and Pareko's not having an awesome year either so far. But hard to Mm -hmm. tell this early. 
Yeah, another ballsy move that I made was picking up uh, Vander Kane with one of my ads. I knew he was going to come back. I know, laugh all you want, okay? But I knew he was going to come back eventually, even if he sits in an IR plus spot. He is a fantasy beast. As much as he has no morals and everything that's happening with him, when he comes back in December, watch out and you know Steph is going to be in the top three again and again and again. So watch well, out. I mean, who else <laughs> is going to score on San Jose? He's literally their top scorer, whether they like him or not. Yeah, uh, they don't. But they don't. And I think this is a good segue into the news. We're going to do some NHL news. Um, so I guess I guess we'll cover that first. Um, go for it. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, we found out today Evander Kane has a 21-game suspension without pay for showing a fraudulent vaccine passport. All of the other allegations did not hold up except for this one, and that is the penalty. 21-game suspension without pay. That is equivalent to $1.68 million of his $7 million salary. So is it fair does he deserve more where you see in some states and provinces you can get fined up to 5k and get some jail time on the side i don't know i like i I don't know what san jose does with this guy what do you do when your top scorer is like i mean this is brooklyn nets territory with Kyrie right now literally like this is your your guy can't keep himself out of the headlines but you also kind of need him. I mean, if you ask the team, they don't, but <laughs> if you ask the score sheet, they oh, do. I mean, so much more worse than the Irving situation. This guy has some serious allegations against him right now. Although none have been like substantiated, but it's just been a roller coaster of one after another all summer and leading to the fake passport. Uh, I found 21 games is a little late, to be honest. I thought they were going to punish him more. I did too. I thought it was going to be a lot heavier than 21. That doesn't seem like enough for something that, like Steph said, is criminal. It's not something that is breaking a hockey rule. This is breaking like a, a state or provincial or federal rule. So Yeah, even if the other stuff wasn't proven, I thought they were kind of just going to, you know, give him a little bit more time just for all the shit he's been doing so far. Yeah, you'd think yeah. that they would just sit him indefinitely until they're able to have a discussion with, you know, San Jose's ownership and the players association and Kane's agent and Kane himself to be like, look, like what's going on? Why are you doing this? What, what can we do? Cause clearly this guy needs help. Like that's the underlying thing through all of this is clearly he needs some 100%. sort of help. And I think the PA should be involved in that considering this is whether it's abuse of of gambling or um or drugs or things that he's been accused of like that's where the pa is supposed to step in and and help out their employees so hopefully he can get something out of it and and um san jose can move on from this because it's not good for them like it's not good for the team's chemistry i mean eric carlson and brent burns are uh what i mean carlson said he doesn't want to sit through another rebuild so you gotta pay him 14 and a half million this year they gotta do something and uh, having your star out for 21 games is is not a good something to start with. 
Yeah, Gary Bettman said there are only four active rostered players that weren't fully vaccinated. But since Kane is not a rostered player, we didn't know that he'd be doing something like this with the whole list of allegations from domestic abuse, battery, gambling, the whole nine yards. So you just ask yourself, what is next? Does the d- does this team trade him anytime soon? What, what do you think? Who's going to take him? A, yeah. It's, uh, it's Mark Bergevin, right? Yeah, maybe. <laughs> but he's in a fourth Shots. year of his seven-year contract, and there's still lots of life left. It's just, I don't know. There's, Like you said, there's clearly problems at home with the family. He's in counseling provided by the NHL. Time will tell, and soon he'll be playing on my fantasy team, and you'll all regret it. <laughs> <laughs> I love that you're just like, yeah, you know, he, need, he needs help and all this, and he's going to get me lots of points, and I'm going to win money from you guys. On, but gambling is bad. <laughs> yeah. I think that's the best course of action for San Jose because I don't think there's any trade in him. They're not going to buy him, but like you said, he's still got quite a few years left. But, and I don't think terminate his contract. So let's get the guy the help he needs, and hopefully he can come back, win his teammates' trust back, and, you know, get his career back on track because the guy's really, really good. Yeah, I'm just checking a buyout calculator here on um, uh, Kane to see what it would cost them if they wanted to. Vander Kane um, buyout length would be oh okay, so they would be paying him. It would be three point six against the cap this year, two point six against the cap the next year, four point six against the cap the year after that, and then just over one and a half for the next three years, and they'd be That's forking way over too way too much money. Um, he still has fifteen million dollars and a four million dollar signing bonus, <laughs> so they're stuck with him, and uh, we'll see how this develops. Because, like, I mean. Over the next 21 days, we might get an update, but I'm honestly just waiting to see when he comes back to see how San Jose handles it or um, doesn't handle it. Like, he might not even play. He could finish the suspension and they could just say, like, we're not dressing you. Like Kyrie's in right now where they say, look, you're not vaccinated. We're not playing you until you are. That's entirely possible. So also in the news, um, this affects fantasy people as well. Nikita Kucherov out again uh he took a hit at the end of the game the other night and did not return and a um message today from john cooper it is not a day-to-day injury and he is out indefinitely so that um that hurts because uh kucherov is a huge fantasy scorer and uh it hurts because now we all know what's going to happen is tampa is going to long-term IR him until they get to the playoffs. <laughs> and there'll be 18 million over the cap, and we'll do this all over again, three years in a row. They're playing the long game this year. Oh, yeah. Wait, wait, come on. Tampa doesn't need Kucherov for the next 78 games to make it to the playoffs. Yeah, that's exactly right. And now it's a huge opportunity for Corey play. Perry to play on that right wing of Tampa's first line with Palat and point. And now we have Palat back on power play, the first power play. And he was very successful last year on that first power play. So whoever owns Palat is going to have a better season. Yeah, it's, 
man, it's tough because everybody's going to call it on them again. Like, I don't know who they're going to pick up this time, but I, I just see them doing it. Like, they're going to milk whatever injury Kucherov has for as long as they can. Ugh. They've been hit with that too. Bogo is out for a while now too. Oh, is he? I, didn't, I missed that. Damn. I, I think two to four weeks at least. Fun little stat on Bogo I heard today. He um, was 19 years old uh, playing on a defensive line with Chris Chelios. Um, who was 48, nice. 48 at the time. They're wow. <laughs> the largest age gap between a defensive pair. That's just wild. That's a huge age gap. Well, it's kind of like uh, Chara was drafted the year that Mark Brazil was born. So there's another big one for you. Yeah, that's crazy. Uh, so kind of a little segue into the Leafs there. The Leafs relaxed their dress code. Um I mean, if you ask Twitter, it's because of Austin Matthews doesn't want to wear a suit anymore. <laughs> um, and uh, Don Cherry had an aneurysm, I'm sure, when he read this. So uh, <laughs> Leafs relax their dress code. So for anyone unfamiliar, this year the NHL left it up to each individual team whether they wanted to enforce uh, having players wear suits when they show up to the arena or not. The first team to relax it was the Arizona Coyotes to absolutely nobody's surprise. And um, I think to well, maybe a few people's surprise today, the Leafs did it. So what do you guys think? Well, you know, Matthews is behind that for sure. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it was always nice seeing like like Freddie and, um, and Hyman and a lot of those guys were really on about dressing up and, and flexing those suits last year. So it's, I don't know, does he just want to wear his Drew sweaters? Is that, is that what we're doing here? Yeah, we saw Matthews come out in the pregame with the the business casual look and then JT with the untucked shirt just hanging out. But good old vintage Spezza still in that suit, even though the opportunity was there. So, hey, I don't blame them. Uh, Matthew says he wants the opportunity to express himself alongside the other teams in in the league and in the NBA, the NFL follow suit with that. So, do what you want, whatever you guys uh, think. It's it is an expression thing. It is a professionalism thing. I don't know. I'm I'm for it as long as they don't come in dressing like bums. <laughs> well, I mean, Matthews was wearing track pants and a cardigan and a baggy t-shirt, was he not? Like, I seem to recall what he was wearing. Um, I I could care less. Like, honestly, I've seen this all over Twitter today. People were blowing up on both sides. Like. Why are people angry about this? Why are people angry that people are angry about this? And honestly, it's just, it's, it was tiring. And I've only been reading this for less than a couple hours. <laughs> you know, somewhere Lou Lamorello is just shaking his head. Oh, of course. Lou would never go for this. But uh, yeah, he's just shaking his head saying, <laughs> shave that face, shave that face. <laughs> <laughs> it is, it's a, it's a shift in, it's a generational shift, really. Like, I mean, we see the basketball players and football players, like you said, they show up, but they get sponsors for those things. Like they're paid to show up with different things. Like Beats paid every athlete to wear Beats headphones at one point. Like, Ooh, you know, this well, it's expanding younger and younger though. So they are. This is kind of to be expected, and you know, it's a chance for them to express themselves. Like Steph said, I'm okay with it. Look, and they got to start skewing younger. I mean, they we saw with the new uh, the helmet ads from TikTok. Uh, TikTok is going to start jumping on more um, 
social media campaigns and stuff with the Leafs and helping them out there, which I think is great because uh, they've not been awesome at that. I know, I mean, they've reached out to a lot of people that are good at it in the past, but internally they haven't been great at it. Uh, they also, I mean, I saw in between one of the periods there, no disrespect to people that um, are veterans and, and retired legends of this league. Um, but if they are trying to skew younger with audiences and get new fans, uh, interviewing the um, 1994 Rangers Stanley Cup champion between periods isn't really keeping people watching in between periods or, you know, drawing in new fans of the sport or showing that you're even attempting to like, I mean, a history lesson from Ron McLean every now and then is, is a given, but like do something new. Like I know they've said they're going to change the arena music and um, the uh, Scotiabank arena to try and, and skew younger, but like, it just seems broadcast wise. It's, it's same old, same old. And absolutely no attempt to freshen things up like i saw a lot of complaints about hockey night in canada's broadcast on saturday for just being a snooze fest and again no disrespect to these guys who are are long retired players and have have played on on championship winning teams like it's it's great and i love that uh you know these people are still around and willing to talk about the current state of the game but like really we got to start changing up how we're marketing this game because we're losing a lot of fans like i'm really I mean, I'm happy I have you guys in our in our fantasy league, but I mean, I'm the only one of my like social personal social friend group that watches hockey, and that's been like my whole life. They're not gaining new fans, and I know that was a bit of a long winded rant, but that's kind of been been bugging me. Uh, I have to agree with you there. Even at my work uh, place of work, everyone watches basketball, football not many hockey lovers and you wonder why is that like I grew up in a hockey loving family so I guess it's just in my blood but you're absolutely right when you say that a lot of people our age or younger they they're just not into it unless they've maybe played the game in their childhood but it's more leaning on the NFL and NBA yeah I think there's been a oh sorry go ahead Andrew no, I was going to say, that's a really good point. Uh, hockey is kind of stuck in its old traditions, and it is slow to keep moving with the times and trending younger. But you guys are right. Like, we really, really got to start tuning on because we are not getting new fans, and some of the fans we have now are just not paying as much attention as they used to. No, and like you said, Steph, I grew up in uh, a hockey, like, I mean, a Leaf household as well. Um, and I think that kind of unless you're growing up in a, a house that's already fans there's an inaccessibility to hockey like people that play it um i think are obviously more interested in watching it but i think the level and number of people and as our population grows both in canada and the states the the accessibility of hockey is just not there it's a very expensive sport to play um and i think less and less people are doing it and opting for things that are easier to put your kids in when you're younger like whether it's soccer or, um, or football or basketball. And I mean, football is a little more expensive, but I mean, soccer is getting really big in North America over the last couple of years. So I think uh, hockey's got to start, the NHL needs to start really competing for that market share because they're losing it. Yeah, hockey is definitely a very highly privileged sport, especially if you're putting your kid in hockey and they're outgrowing their skates uh, every six to eight months and buying new gear all the time. It's just not affordable these days unless you're 
in it for the long haul. You put your kid in a double A, triple A league and you have the money, but you're absolutely right. When it comes to basketball or soccer, it's just more feasible for families to afford. So I can see where the little decline in the interest goes down from there. Uh, just got a breaking update. Um, Kachuk takes bizarre penalty, batting puck out of the air on the bench. <laughs> so I guess he was on the bench, not in the play, and the puck was in the air, and he just decided, eh, I can reach this. <laughs> like, what are you doing? Uh, <laughs> My stick hit this now. <laughs> that is wild. Um, so... Do we have any uh, any final notes we want to close out on here before we uh, move on to our final segment? You guys good? Um, I just want to bring up that McKinnon tested positive for COVID again for the second time in a row. So Oof, any fantasy owners out there, uh, big hit on the Colorado av- Avalanche, especially with Lannis Gog being suspended. And Kadri is centering that top line and doing very well. But for fantasy owners, we are cringing in our seats. I know I have them in a couple other leagues, so it's just disappointment. But I'm glad that full games are not being postponed like last year. Those PPD games is just singular players. But yeah, we'll see how that pans out. And All right. Myself, it was just very nice to see Matthews in there again, like we touched on earlier today. It brings a a lot of joy in watching him again, and hopefully it really, really benefits the Leafs. 100%. We need to see Matthew start scoring. Uh, so our time is just about up here. Real quick, our new segment, we're going to do something called the shootout. Um, near the end of the game there, I was hoping it would actually go to one, as it would be appropriate. Uh, so we're going to start, just because we're low on time here, with three picks. So based on tonight, if you were going into a shootout and you had to pick three players of the Leafs, to lead that shootout, who are your three picks? And we will revisit these after tomorrow's game or uh, Friday's game. So, Steph, you want to go first? Three picks based on tonight. Who's your shootout lineup? I have to start off with Matthews. We know he has the best shot in the whole league if it's not Ovechkin. I think Matthews is surpassing that point now. Um, I'll take Bunting because he's just a dirty player. I know he can score those goals. And the last one has to go to Vintage Spezza. I'm not going to argue those picks. Andrew, you want to go for it? She literally just took all three of my picks. But you know, <laughs> Bunty, for sure. The guy is just really stepping in and uh, shaping up into form. I think JT, he showed a lot of flashes tonight. He looked a lot better than he did in the first few games. And my other one is going to be Jack Campbell. He is so solid back there right now. He's giving his team confidence up front, and I think he's only going to get better and better. So uh, just recap, sorry, that was Matthews, JT, and Campbell for you? Yep. All right, and I'm going to close it out. I think um, I got to go with Michael Bunting as well because the dude is just on a heater, and that smile after he scored, the guy, (laughs) he's going to keep doing this, and I'm really excited to see it. Um, Second up, I'm going to say William Nylander. He is just the, like, I hate to say it, but he's the only one of those, you know, the quintessential four that is really performing up to his level still. I mean, he scored a couple already, so I'm going to go with Nylander. And uh, third, 
I got to go with Simmons. Wayne Simmons has been one of the most present people on the ice through all of these games. Uh, I've, you know, he's been fighting, whether it's on a penalty kill on, you know, sneaking out there for pressuring the behind the net guys. Awesome. So I'm going to go with Wayne Simmons as my last pick. Well, those are good picks. They're nice picks. Thank you. Uh, so that will close us off for tonight. Thank you so much for tuning in. Catch us on Twitter and soon to be YouTube with, uh, I think our next episode, it will be up on YouTube. So uh, be on the lookout to follow us there. Uh, we will be back on Friday when the Leafs will be playing San Jose, I think. Yeah. Cool. Yep. So San Jose on Friday. Uh, we'll catch you then. Episode is usually up by midnight. Thanks, guys. Thank you. Good night, friends.